what it is, RJLA family. I am Angela Birdsong, your conversation piece host on Radio Justice LA Morning Wake Up Call at radiojustice.org for something new or unusual to talk about for stimulating conversation for you on the bus, train, plane, or simply at the water cooler or in Cubicle Nation. Today, my guest is Sister Charlene Muhammad, who is a multi-award winning, multimedia journalist and speaker with 20 plus years experience in print media and over 15 years combined experience as a radio host and producer. Her current post is national correspondent for the historical multi-award winning publication, The Final Call Newspaper, along with being a contributor to the Los Angeles Sentinel newspaper and the new LA Watts Times newspaper, to name a few. Sister Charlene is founder, host, and executive producer of Liberated Sisters, a public affairs program that can be seen the first and third Tuesdays on morrismedialive.com at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And broadcast here on radiojustice.org every Friday at 8 a.m. and again at 12 p.m. Welcome to Conversation Piece with part one about Sister Charlene Muhammad's road to journalism, her front page stories, and more. We'll be right back. Oh, 
Welcome back to Conversation Peace. I have Sister Charlene Muhammad with me. Sister Charlene Muhammad, welcome to Conversation Peace. Oh my God. Thank you, Edge. I can't believe I'm on your show. I know. Can you believe that? Thanks for having me. Oh my God. Right, right. And I always wanted to interview you for the longest of time because you have the most interesting story because... For you to have all the accolades that you have as an award-winning journalist and for you to go out there and be so tenacious with the stories that, that you cover, who would not want to know about the great Charlene Muhammad? No, ma'am. Not great. <laughs> I'm a country girl. Ooh, country girl? Okay, where are you from? Country girl from Opelousas, Louisiana. Opelousas with an O. <laughs> Opelousas it's in Louisiana. and Louisiana. It's between Lafayette and Baton Rouge. Is it okay that people know that you are a twin? Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I deny my, okay. My, okay. my roots like that. Yeah, twin sisters. Yeah, I was a twin. I'm the baby of eight. Yes. And my parents, Dora, um, Dora and George. Yes. They um, had eight children mm -hmm. and we were preemies. I thought we were four pounds, but my mom just visited, and uh -huh. I learned that we were actually three pounds. Wow. That's what I said. Wow. She was well, and I was ill. And when they started tending to me, then she slipped away. Okay. And I really resonated. That resonated with me because, I, you know, at first I was like, what does that mean, Mom? Right? When mm -hmm. I was little, what does that mean? But I had read about this study about attention and care and touch. Okay. And this study that was done on babies in the hospital and some were cared for and some were not. Okay. And what happened with those who weren't, how they became, you know, more ill and other things. Right. And, and what said, was your twin's name? Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. And I tend to think that she was the nice one because I have like a kind of mean streak. <laughs> Sometimes people say you're short, you're curt, you know, mm -hmm. you're aggressive. I would like to think assertive, not aggressive. But nonetheless, okay. I'm like, well, maybe she's got that other right. package of traits. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they do come out. Right. But anyway, Charlotte, no middle name. No middle name. Mm -mm. Okay. Charlene and, and Charlotte. And of course, the traits that you just described, those are the traits, wouldn't you say, of a good journalist? Ah, Which ones? <laughs> being assertive and abrasive? Well, I'm not abrasive, mm -hmm. but I don't think that makes for good journalism. No? Ab abras abrasive, no. No. In, in my opinion, because um, I've, well, let me say this. People have said I've been, you know, that I tend to be aggressive. Mm -hmm. I'm short. Okay. Um, some people think that, and I, because they've told me so, right? This is not somebody behind my back talking, but some people have told me that they think that I, I don't uh, show enough tolerance Okay. or sometimes no nonsense. Mm -hmm. But to the contrary, I think that I, I, I bend a lot. But abrasive, I don't think that that is a good trait for journalism because why put people off? Okay. Why... Um, tick people off mm -hmm. that you're trying to build relationship with one. Right. Number two, you're trying to get information from. Yes. 
And then you also have to have a rapport where you're trustworthy. And if a person can just be so abrasive, that means they don't really care. Okay. Um, or it's not evident. Sometimes mm-hmm. it could be just a bad day. But I um, am from the Final Call newspaper, yes. Nation of Islam, Honorable Minister Lewis Farrakhan School of Journalism, where we care about our people mm-hmm. and we care about our communities and the stories we tell. And we even also care about other communities and people and their stories in terms of the truth and right justice freedom equality and so even if it's an enemy of ours okay or an enemy of truth Mm -hmm. we're still not abrasive because the bottom line is the truth is the truth and if people find that abrasive well then they can deal with the truth of an issue Certainly, it's how things are told and the manner the truth is delivered that one has to be kind of cautious about. But I don't really think that abrasive is good. You know, we're not that type of at every cost, at least I'm not, Mm -hmm. when I practice my writing, that I'm going to get this story at all costs. You know, if they're mad at me, okay, uh, I'm going to leak this source. or I'm just going to do what I got. It's just not... um, I've been successful, and being abrasive has not been the way. Okay. Okay. So sorry being to short, go so long around no, that. No, 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 no. Because we we are talking about who you are, particularly as a as a journalist, mm-hmm. and you describe yourself as aggressive and short. And I took those characteristics to the word abrasiveness, and that is not abrasiveness. Right, and also, that's how some people have described me. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm that. But I don't, you know, um, fight people back on it because, after all, they're interacting with me, right? Right. And so you know how you come off based on people's perceptions. But I'd like to say that I'm a little uh, shy. A little shy. uh, Very conservative. Mm Mm-hmm. If you don't know me, but if you know me, it's an open book. Right. You know, I laugh loud, laugh hearty mm-hmm. at proper times. Yeah. Sometimes not. I always like to say when the FBI rolls the camera on me, everybody will be like, is that Sister Charlene? Call the cops, you know? <laughs> but um, there's just different sides. And I think that the more um, kinder, gentler side. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the characteristics my twin may have, wherever she is in the universe. Right. Yeah. So, this little country girl. Little country girl. And Louise Appaloosa. It's Appaloosas. Appaloosas. The Op. Shout out to OHS. (laughs) Appaloosas. Appaloosas. Tigers, go Tigers. Who's the title? Oh, LSU. High school. No, ma'am. Oh. No, ma'am. No, no ma'am. No ham. Black college all the way. Southern okay. University. Okay. And Grambling. Well, I'll say yes because my family's also Gramlinite. Okay. My uncle Charles was a tennis coach there. Mm-hmm. And, um, but no, I went to Southern University before I transferred here to Cal State Dominguez Hills. Okay. But Opelousas is our high school. Okay. Yeah. The Tigers. The Tigers. All right. Yeah. Now. As you were Jaguars. So what did, what did you study? At journalism. At journalism. Mm-hmm. So you always knew you wanted to be a journalist. Yeah, but I didn't know that I knew. 
Does that make sense? No. Explain that. I was just walking in that path, but I didn't know that I knew. Mm -hmm. I was just doing that. I was. It was natural. It felt natural. Oh, okay. Well, now you're going to go to school. And I waited. I waited a, a summer. I didn't go to school right after after um, high school. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, uh, in the South, my experience okay. was a little different, I think, from others. I won't dare speak for any of my classmates from home, but my experience was the way we are, or the way I was with my daughter, you know, in that high school. It wasn't... We had counselors, but I didn't know what they did. Okay. No one ever said, hey, come in here. Let's get you prepped up for college. But yeah, I studied journalism. And when, so I know when, when you're applying for college and you have this whole list of majors from undeclared to everything, you just had a proclivity to check journalism because you were doing High school newspaper work or? Girl, I don't even know if we had a high school newspaper. We might have. I was happy-go-lucky. Mm -hmm. Ignorance was bliss with me. When I woke up, what I wanted to do that day that was outside of the obligation of school, I did it. You know? Right. I truly went on feeling and happiness. I, I, I walked that way. And so what I do realize is this. I used to um, skate outside all the time, mm -hmm. or I would go ride bikes with my dogs. But outside of watching the eighties, like the advent of those videos, yes, and you know when video uh, music, you know, first took hold, right, or watching shows like <laughs> Good Times. <laughs> <laughs> or other different types. Of you wanted to write about those run in the mill shows. No, it's just like mindless shows, mm -hmm. you know. And good times is not mindless, but some other shows like Three's Company, you know, just after school stuff. Mm -hmm. Or playing Atari, then um, I would want to watch the news. Oh, okay, and it wasn't normal, right? Children just watching the news. No adults around watching, but the TV's on at the news, and I didn't understand why, and I mm -hmm. didn't question it because it wasn't a problem, right? Except people would say, "Why are you watching the news? Is your mom? Where's your mom?" I'm like, "She's at work," right? <laughs> but the news was on, and I always wanted to be on TV and reporting the news. Wow! And I um, realized a few years ago that, as far back as I can remember, that's what I was doing. Reporting the news. But it's not that I was reporting the news, but my father worked offshore and he worked in salt mines. And when he was gone, I'd sleep with my mom. Mm -hmm. And she had a big high bed. Right. And I remember the flag, Old Glory, on and off at night. And in between was news and prices, right? That's it. And I remember. As a baby, as a young girl, getting my hair combed by her, braided, up until high school, combing my own hair, doing my own thing, the same story. The one, two, three perpetual stories that compelled me to want to talk about them were little Palestinian boys throwing rocks. Right. And Israeli tanks. Uh-huh. And... Starving children in Africa. 
and bare-breasted African women with baskets on their head. Those never fail year mm-hmm. after year. Mm-hmm. I remember them like, day, and I'm like, what is this about? Right. So to grow up and see that same thing was like, wow. But I realized it's because it's what, as far as I can remember, see. And I just wanted to grow up and be in the news. So I moved to Houston, and that's where I was going to stay Okay. and make my life. Because, you know, it's the same thing. For right, hours. so did you have family in Houston? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I, we kind of say we're bi-coastal, although it's not the case. <laughs> you know, Louisiana, Houston, call it one. But um, I was going to live there, but then I have a, my oldest sister asked me to come here. She asked my mom if I could come here. Okay. And she said she can go to school here. There's grand. She can come to free. We'll take care of her. Blah, blah, blah. This isn't Tony. This is Van. Okay. And that's how I got here. Okay. And I'm going to stop on that because that's a whole... A whole nother, a whole nother story. Wow. Right. Okay. So you're here. You're in California. And have you been there, been here since that time to right now? Yeah. Or Okay. okay. So you never went back. You know, I'm, I'm talking about to 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 stay permanently mm-hmm. and then decide, oh, I'm I'm returning to California. Yeah, no, this is it. This is it. Mm-hmm. And this was the path to you becoming the journalist. Yeah. Right. And as a matter of fact, that's funny because when I got married to Maurice and we had Raisa, your first daughter. Yeah, I was expecting your her. only daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was expecting you my first child. Your first child, yeah, right? Lucifer, I was expecting with uh, her, and in the nation, you know, we're a service organization, we're a worker organization. So I was. Fired. And then for those, I know everybody knows oh, that's right. knows Sister Charlene Muhammad, but when she says the, the nation, nation, we're talking about the nation of Islam, of Islam right? Yeah, and um, but at a certain and, and the woman is revered. And so one thing about the female is, you know, we're being taught how to give birth to gods. And so at three months, we take a leave of absence and we focus on ourselves, having our baby, our health, our wellness, whatever. We need to have this very healthy life come forth. So we do that from three months after conception, Mm -hmm. right? Until three months um, after the baby okay. is born. And then we can return to different levels of duty and different things like that, according to us. Within the ministry. And um, at that time, were you working for the Final Call newspaper? No, but that's what I was going to say. I was a vanguard, which is, you know, the young arm of the women, the soldier arm of the women. I was um, working a very rigorous post. And so when I, you know, came time for me to sit down for a moment, I was really devastated. What am I going to do? Oh, my God, I need to do something. I can't just be sitting down all the time, right? Right. And one of my uh, sister friends at the time, her name is Sister Deborah, she said, well, you, you stay in journalism. Why don't you write for the final call? And I was like, oh, no, the final call would never have me. I don't even know how to write. I'm a student. Now, right. mind you, I'm still a student. Right. Of journalism, but I was mm-hmm. like, oh, no, 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 no. I couldn't even see them warning me. Right. Um, and other people would always tell me, well, while you're studying, you can intern at the Times or you can write here or go there. I knew one thing I didn't want 
was to write for mainstream media. Okay. I knew Why that. Is that. Because number one, the stories weren't told the way that I would want to tell them. And number two, they were whitewashed. Okay. And and really um, just tamped down our experiences. Mm-hmm. I knew that basically. Um, but Brother Richard, who was the managing editor at that time. Of the final call. Yeah. Deborah worked for them for the Western Region correspondent here, who at the time was Sister Rosalind. And Sister Rosalind laid a great foundation. She covered the crack cocaine conspiracy with Brother Rick Ross, you know, Gary Webb. She just did a lot of great work here. Okay. A lot of the cases uh, Attorney Johnny Cochran covered. But Deborah worked for her mm-hmm. as a secretary and so her assistant. And she contacted Brother Richard because I was saying, no, no, no. She said, well, let's call and find out. And right there on the phone, mm-hmm. he asked me, interview me on the phone. Well, sister, right. have you ever written? Yes. What have you written? Well, right now, I just have all of my senior papers. I have a B in my senior thesis. I got A's in my writing classes. Send that to me. And when I sent it to them, to him, yes, he called me back and said, all right, Damien Football Williams has joined the Nation of Islam. He's converted to Islam. And he's in L.A. County Jail. Go and write about it. You need to interview him. Your I first assignment. <laughs> That's a big assignment for for, for a first hire, a yeah. new hire. Yeah. So how do so? Okay, so that's your first assignment. How did how did you tackle that first story? First, I prayed. Okay, and prayed and prayed and prayed. Because I was just trying to keep busy while I had my daughter okay. and continue serving in the nation. Right. So, okay, were, were you still pregnant when you got the assignment? Absolutely. Okay, okay. Hey, Miss Georgina Williams went down there, set an appointment to interview him, and was in that line with his mother. Mm-hmm. Knees wobbling and shaking. Even my first time at a jail, period. Right. In my life. Okay. Now remember, I'm from a right. country town. Yeah, a little small Just, town in I'm Louisiana. I'm here a while, but that hasn't left, you know. But um, that was interesting. I, I just, to prepare for that story, what I did was I drew on the um, my pre-nation experience with Damian Williams and the L.A. Four and the L.A. Rebellion and Rodney King and that whole ordeal okay you know mm-hmm. i just really dug into that because i was actually coming from a law firm in century city where i worked okay and the verdict came down and like many i was upset really sad but right. i was and driving we're talking about 1992 absolutely right and i was driving home and i was listening to the radio and before the verdict, I had attended First AME Church, and some of the community meetings where people were calling for what we're going to do. And of course, the church was calling for calm and peace, and different organizations and places were calling for the things they were calling for. But I just remember, um, you know, hearing that violence had started, and I was on the corner of La Brea and Pico. 
right by Lucy's, the restaurant. Yep, still and there. About to, I'm going straight, mm-hmm. avoiding the freeway traffic. And there was this pearly white, beautiful Lexus. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a steel frame end. And it was a white man driving it. Like he was coming from work too, suit and tie. I'm not assuming, but it's just typical that time of day. And he was getting ready to, uh, he was going straight as well. We were just waiting at the light. There was a big brother just right there at the corner. People waiting for the bus right across the street. And it was very um, basic. But all of a sudden, bruh picked up that trash can right. that was there. Uh-huh. And smashed it in that guy's Lexus window in the back. Right. His face just went from basic to rage. And he picked that up and smashed it. And this white guy peeled off and I was like, smart thing. And then I was saying, oh my God, please don't do anything to my car. I was petrified because I didn't know. Right, yeah. You know, he didn't say I'm just going to do this to white people or whatever. I didn't, people were, were upset. And so I didn't come. I lived downtown mm-hmm. in a loft with my uh, brother across from the bus station, where the bus station still is, Greyhound. But I was so afraid. I didn't even go home. Where did you go? I went to my best friends, Lorene and Angie. Mm-hmm. And they lived in the Adams District okay. near Holman. I went to their apartment and we stayed there and we were holding there that whole time, those several days of, of the rebellion. Right. I didn't want to go home. Right. Now, I could have gone home, but I was like, what am I doing? I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do. Right. Just, so we just yeah. took it all in together watching. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we went to, um, you know, the, the National Guard came in and we did the cleanup and all the different right. blah, blah, blah. Right, right, but, but, right. But knowing what I know now, mm-hmm. I might have been handling things differently. You would have had your pumps on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> and I might have been throwing some trash cans too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, wink, wink. <laughs> no, I'm just saying I would have definitely probably had pumps on the ground and I would have yes. parked the car and talked to that brother. Right. You know? Right. But yeah. that was, I was... Be, be, that was the beginning of my resurrection. And I'm still, of course, mm-hmm, in that phase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I was not conscious and I didn't know where I was looking at. Right. But I knew there was pain. And I knew it was justified. Mm-hmm. The pain was justified. Right. And this was before you got that assignment, obviously. Absolutely. Right. But I. But your, you already your, were hired. Were you already hired for the final call? That, no, none of that has transpired This yet. is No, no. Remember, I was going back. Mm-hmm. I'm going, you asked, what did I draw on? How did yeah. I prepare for that? That was a, I went back to everything I knew about it before I was even in the nation. Oh, okay. Before Brother oh, Damien okay. even took that route. Okay. Right? Before I sat across from him mm-hmm. with the glass between us. Yes. And he in a starch white shirt and a bright red bow tie. Okay. You know, if we could just take pictures. Oh, right. Because you know what? I fell off the timeline because you were married, pregnant with your first child, and you got the assignment to go down there to L.A. County Central Jail to Mm -hmm. to interview him. But the the, the back... I went back and drew on that because... And that helped me. You know, what what happened with... Reginald Denny and the uh-huh. LA Four right, right. and Nana and you know mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. and hey Nana, peace and shout out to Nana Jumpy. You know, 
uh, watching all of this, not knowing that we would be working with and sisters with this great, that's a great woman, right? Right. Um, just looking back, but I drew on all of that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so having that interaction from a non-activist journalist standpoint, right, right. just a pure yeah. citizen perspective, yes. helped me to, to go with that, you know. To see how things just change in a matter of seconds or minutes. Yeah, and, and, and it helped me to be able to to know, go in and talk to him mm-hmm. without an ignorant idea and certainly not without the perpetual or the perpetuated, pardon me, idea from mainstream that this is a monster behind this glass. Okay. No. Okay. No. Right. On the contrary, you know, mm-hmm. I was able to talk mm-hmm. to him with the ob- observation and perspective mm-hmm. of what happened on that corner. Why right. were they able to do certain things? In their rage, what set Florence and Normandy off? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the fact that police left, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. right? Yeah. They yeah. left that area and then made him really picked up. So it's a lot of different things. But that interview, um, I'm still hunting for that cover. Now, it wasn't a cover, but that news, that, uh-huh. that actual edition. Right. I'm hunting for it. I have to have it because it was my first one. Your and first I saved one, right. it. Right. But, I, you know, you can, you know, how, you know, we have so many mm-hmm. in archives. It's like, where, where is it? Right. I don't know about how many, so many in archives, but I know about I can't find doing it. research on you. I have numerous amounts of headline cover stories wow. that you, you have done. And I, I know we're not going to be able to get wow. to to all of them, but I know. But what I what I want to do though is to explain to Radio Justice because I know we talked about pumps on the ground twice, or that that yeah, came yeah. up twice. Yeah. And I just want um, conversation piece people to know that that, that this is what I'm, I pulled from something um, about you and and one of the many publications that that I found your name in mm-hmm. that pumps on the ground is an independent media project which travels to the scenes of crisis, triumph, and activism in all underrepresented communities, black, white, indigenous, to raise awareness about their issues and how their stories connect to the global struggle for justice. Is that your description of Pumps on the Ground? That kind of fits it. That, that, that does fit it. You know, um, I do have to be honest, I'm not going to run into a white neighborhood to cover something, but the stories about our white brethren mm-hmm. who who want the same things that we want, which is to be free and live in peace, not impinge upon others, right. not have others impinge upon them. Most of them are in our hoods in the first place. So that's where that comes in. But that is a description. You know, um, people are underfoot everywhere. But by and large, I'm dedicated to the black community. Right. And that includes the indigenous community. Right. Yeah. So, and the pumps and the pumps on the ground, where did you get that in terminology hey, from? Hey, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your I sister, Chris? I gotta say something. <laughs> yeah. We, oh boy. Um, and also, I know I'm doing some shout outs, but. Credit, no, that's okay. Credit where credit is due to Sister Linda J and her beautiful daughter. And there were others mm-hmm. uh, who contributed to this first um, 
it wasn't the first, but it was actually, it was a call out. It was really a first call out for assistance to get to a particular place um, for a special thing that I was doing. Okay. And so it, it involved the final call because I was going to be covering a story, but there was something added that I was going to be doing, which is not final call responsibility per se, right? And so I, I needed to secure some um, uh, donations to take care of something that was a sidebar piece. Okay. And so I put a call out and Linda J and her daughter, they responded well and others. And so at any rate, I was going to Florida and Radio Justice family, please look this up, RJLA. His name is Omari Williams, O-M-M-A-R-R-I, or maybe M, but two R's. Mm -hmm. What happened to Omari Williams? This young boy, I'm saying boy because I think Omari was 19 or 18, but he was shot 19 times. That's what it is. Right. That's okay. where that 19 comes in at. In Florida, he was shot. I mean, fingertips blown off. And it wasn't proven, according to his family, that he really, you know, had a gun. But they were saying, okay, had he a gun? 19 times, right? Right. You know, it's Swiss Cheeseville. But we were traveling there to cover that story. And so my mom, my aunt, Gloria, and Chris, big sister, gorgeous one, who does I Gotta Say Something periodically on Liberated Sisters, they said, we'll meet you there, my sister Stephanie. And so we were in the hotel room. They met me there. And while Chris and I went to handle uh, news business, they went shopping. Well, when we were talking about what what we uncovered, you know, in the um, hotel room, my aunt, you know, it was something mentioned to the effect of, so you just go everywhere. You're not afraid. You You just... You just travel like that. If we didn't come meet you, you was just going to come. I was like, yeah, that's what we, we do all the time. You know? Right. <laughs> and uh, I said, you know, the military put their boots on the ground. You know, we have Fruit of Islam. That's the male members of the nation. They put their boots on the ground. And, and we put our pumps on the ground. And my sister said, pumps on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And I said, yeah, pumps on the ground. I put my pumps on the ground. Because right. I don't wear boots. Right. But it's the same thing. They have a mission, yes. and I have one. And yes. this is what it is. And so that's how that came about. But we, you know, it's it's been in effect ever since mm -hmm. I began doing the news. But right. that name was crystallized in Florida. And Conversation Peace family, the article that Sister Charlene wrote about um, Amari um, Williams is called A Mother's Pain and a Tragic Death. And that was in the Final Call um, newspaper. And you can go to finalcall.com, use yeah. their search. Um, Subscribe to the digital edition and you can read it all right there. You can share articles. You can archive. Right. Do that. Do that. And But the article is called A Mother's Pain and a Tragic Death. Now, mm. you you have so many different. Actually, you know what? Let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about Sister Charlene Muhammad, some of the, her different cover stories and other articles that that she has. And I know that some of the assignments are really hard and Ooh. and some of them are, are fun-filled. And we would like to talk about some of your different story highlights. 
okay. when, when we come back on Conversation Piece on Radio Justice. your host, and you are listening to Conversation Peace with guest Sister Charlene Muhammad, national correspondent for the historical Final Call newspaper. Before we went on break, we were talking about one of your, your cover stories that, um, that, that led to the coin term pumps on the ground, your independent media project which made me start to think about your multiple, many multiple cover stories that you have done. Out of all the stories you have done, which one stands out the most to you? I, I know you mentioned the one with um, um, the the young man who was murdered, who was killed, um, young Amari Williams. But what stories stand out to you the most? You say story or stories? Stories. You know, that's the stories. That's hard because, well, first and foremost, the ones where I'm able to share the good news about the work of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Okay. So that would be any number of Savior's Day, Mm -hmm. which is our national. February 26th conventions in honor of the birth of our Savior, Master Father Muhammad. Okay. Justice or else. Mm-hmm. When Minister Farrakhan. Right. Called. 1010, right. For 10,000 fearless, justice or else. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I'm in an archive box when we're on break and that's exactly what I pull out. 10,000 fearless. Organizing okay. to rebuild neighborhoods which began and is still spreading in black America. Okay. You know, Minister Farrakhan called it. And the youth responded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Certainly others, but the right. youth by and large responded. Right. Separation or death. 
those types of clarion calls that Minister Farrakhan has consistently made, those have been the ones that stick out the most. Okay. Because they're life-saving. Okay. And so to be a part of a team that is able to write and further that call mm-hmm. is very um, spiritual. Mm-hmm. And it allows me to work out my salvation. Okay. My sinful self. <laughs> and um, and to, you know, pay gratitude, which on what level can I pay God gratitude for, you know, right. saving my life, much right. less bringing me into existence, right? Others that stand out are the ones where, again, we're just able to shed light on the BS, pardon me if I could say it like that. Yes. Well, Radio Justice just so happens you can say whatever you like, but I know <laughs> as as women of God, <laughs> we, we keep our profanity to yeah. a limit. <laughs> you know, if anybody rolling tape in a private, like, yeah, they're going to put that tape up there. They'll be like, whoo! <laughs> Hypocrite! <laughs> nah, but, um, you know, a house divided and doomed. This one sticks out because, you know, we talk about what happened, how America, you know, the people are dissatisfied and how the country's divided and doomed. You know, what happened with the 2016 election, how Hillary Clinton thought she just had it unlocked because... You know, it, it was just good to write about the day that black people were saying, no more, we're not being taken for granted anymore. The others that stick out the most mm-hmm. as well are those that involve the families okay. of victims killed mm-hmm. in police violence, in vigilante violence, and in street violence. I don't say black on black violence. Because it's a continued negative connotation of our people and black, right? Yes. It's violence. Right. So all of it, we just have to stop it. And so shedding light on what does that do to mothers and fathers? You know, one story that sticks out to me is about Danielle New, who is in the Bay Area. She lost both of her sons within a span of days. Both of her children. Poof, gone. And one thing that Minister Farrakhan always asks, how are the parents? And in most cases, there's a single mother. In most of the cases of the stories I've covered, it's just a single mother that we hear and see. But there's a father. Right. How is the father? See, because these two people are not together, Mm -hmm. perhaps in some cases because the father may have left, well, we don't know the circumstance. But does the mother and the father not have pain over the loss of the child? I'm not about to be in the middle of marriages and families because they know, but nonetheless... There's a father, there's a mother. And I was able to talk to the father. And the pain that he spoke about for many countless fathers who are 
and by design, mm-hmm. I believe, overlooked by the mainstream media and even many other do-gooders. Right. Because it's historically done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's overlooked the black man. Right. So I was able to speak to him and that stood out because he was very real. You know, you ask those questions we got to ask. Mm-hmm. Because we can imagine how you're doing if someone just slaughtered your child, right? Right. But we ask it because we can't say what he's feeling. Right. So I, I ask, as I always have to ask, how are you doing? How do you think I'm doing? Right. That's right. How do you think he's doing? Now, but no one ever asks. As a journalist, you document history. And and some of the history, as you said, is tragic, which are the stories that you cover. And some of the other history is uplifting and solidifying of a community. There, there's. If I could just mention a few more. Oh yeah, yeah. Because please. Michael Jackson, that was really um, hard. Okay. Why was that one hard? Well, one, it was Michael Jackson. Okay. And um, I met him. Okay. Very, very nice. Very kind. Mm-hmm. Um, the pain of the people that I interviewed and that we saw, we were at his ranch. We were at the memorial. We were in different places. But the pain that that to people you know to see the masses in pain Michael Brown Jr right shout out to love not blood campaign Cephas Uncle Bobby Johnson X Johnson Uncle Bobby X Johnson and Sister Beatrice and Miss Wanda Johnson uh, Oscar Grant's mother that super sticks out yeah that was actually um, Sister Vicki Lindsay and Project Cry No More were the advent with Brother Student Minister Tony Muhammad of me covering families of victims of street violence. Sister Beatrice, Uncle Bobby were the arms that connected me more and taught me more how to uh, navigate the world of families affected by police violence. Okay. The same mm-hmm. dynamic in those two arenas in terms of the loss, which is the murders, right? Yes. Different, heavily different in terms of society's support, engagement, treatment, Respect or lack thereof, or total disregard between the two. I don't want to say between the two, but mm-hmm. coming into the two because right. they have a connection. Mm-hmm. But people, in my observation, treat them differently, and it causes pain for those whose children have been killed by someone that's a drive by shooting. Right. A different outlook. Versus mm-hmm. a vigilante or a police shooting. Right. And that's something that people are still 
trying to work out and work through, I see it getting better in terms of community mm-hmm. and people's mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. But pretty much, so it's so a you're bad saying thing. the the street violence uh, murders, they don't get the same coverage, right? Okay. Um, or you know, it might be coverage, but it might be negative. It'd be negative right. when when Trayvon Martin was killed. Yes, I remember receiving calls from some families, and the it was very pain, and the conversation was, "What about us? What about our children? Don't my son or my daughter matter?" And I'm. This is on this wise. Yes. Uh-huh. There was a meeting here at one of our prominent churches. And I think rightfully so. Because the world, especially the country, was galvanizing around Miss Sabrina and Brother Tracy, right? We were fighting for and wanting to answer questions and embrace them. And in one of the meetings that took place here, I remember that that some of the mothers and fathers who are right here every day mm-hmm. fighting, having candlelight vigils, anniversaries, they go to the aid of each other's whose sons, you know, like like Melvin, Brother Melvin, I saw him like Brother Melvin, Brother Melvin Farmer you know, been able to document, you know, people shot and killed and others just in very awful situations. And they're saying... You have national figures that come and host rallies yes. or have fundraisers at fundraisers at places. And again, that should happen. But they're saying, what about my son or daughter who's here in this city with you? Local leader, right? right. Those dynamics, yeah. I've mm-hmm. looked at them up close and personal and they're hard. Right. So those types of stories... There was one I wanted to mention. Um, your show with Brother Melvin brings it to mind. The Stanley Tookie Williams coverage we did stood out so heavily because there was hope. As we mm-hmm. covered it, as we watched it, we were at the rally in San Quentin. You know, people from all backgrounds there fighting for this man. We were here in other events with Jamie Foxx, Sister Barbara Becknell, major voices fighting for this man. And, you know, you kind of knew that Schwarzenegger was going to pull the switch, but you still kind of hope that right. it wouldn't yeah, happen. Hope, right. And um, that's another one. Story that stands out. Yeah. All stories mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. on respect and protection of the black female. They stand out heavily because we just don't have it at the level where we should have it. Right. And I'm going to say this. Yes. And I've thought it a long time and I've not said it, but by gosh, I'm going to say it today. Okay. Even the black female. We could respect and protect each other a way whole lot more than we do. We're doing good, but we have a ways to go with that. Because once we shut the door, you know, watch it. We have the songs. You know, woman to woman, Barbara, this is Shirley. (laughs) Even today, you know, not dumping on the sisters, but the love and the hip-hops and the real housewives and a lot of this stuff is infidelity. Right. 
yeah, it's not bringing any type of unity yeah. amongst us. Yeah, I mean, I'm not taking conversation piece to that road and route of talking about it's not about infidelity. It's just about what we do with each other as black women. Right. You know, the songs would change. Right. A lot of things would change if we just put our foot down. Right. Or just like um, the golden rule is. Like um, Jesus said, the second greatest commandment is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's right. Now, Sister Charlene Muhammad. She said my whole name. Because <laughs> it, it just goes. It goes. Right? S-E-M. <laughs> S-E-M talks today on Conversation Peace. <laughs> <laughs> now, are there any stories that you have refused to cover? I know, I know you work for the Final Call um, newspaper, but you also are a contributing writer for LA, Los Angeles Sentinel newspaper and the new LA Watts Times newspaper and probably some other publications. California Black Media, New America Media, and something else is in the works. Okay, okay, all right, new developments. Are there any stories you ever refuse to cover? For writing hire, by the way, whether it's articles or just your writing needs. You know, sometimes people may have three words, mm-hmm. their name, right, and they need a newsletter like Dr. Hanan, Islam needed. She gave me a few words and, you know, made a newsletter. So I do those types of things. Okay. That keep me free. But go ahead. Okay. But is there any Arctic stories that you like, I'm not covering that story? Absolutely. Such um, as? Battles between our community um, national leaders mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. what is termed as hit pieces. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what those are? No sensualization news. Did I say that right? That word? Sensationalism? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fluff. Mm-hmm. But also um, nothing that's just going to denigrate people. Okay. You know, if it's newsworthy, if it's an issue there, and if it's, if it's something that's concerning our people, okay, but not necessarily everything. It's okay. not going to do that. So that goes back to really your your slogan for Liberated Sisters. If it's impacting our community. Or can uplift us as a people. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Or let's write about it. <laughs> right. Which is words on paper. Right. Yeah. Right. But 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 there's there, yeah, there's definitely some things that I'm not. So we, we talked about your road to journalism and the many articles that you have covered, and we've only touched the tip of the iceberg, as the saying goes, of, of your different articles and cover stories mm-hmm. that, that you have done, and, and particularly the ones that stand out to you um, personally. Once I landed at the final call, I was satisfied. Okay. That was it, baby. Mm-hmm. I was right where I belonged as far as I was concerned. I was on the moon. Mm-hmm. I was free. Okay. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I don't even know if how to explain the pleasure. You know, I sleep at night, and Okay. I mean, I sleep. Mm-hmm. 
when I hit send, it's going to a place where the person who's going to read it, he doesn't have an angle. We're on the same mind accord. The angle is what is the issue, what are the facts, okay. and how does this impact our people, yes. and what's being done about it. But from the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, it's through that lens. Mm-hmm. And Minister Farrakhan, as the publisher of The Final Call, that's the goal. Right. That paper is dedicated to the resurrection of the black man and woman in America. Okay, and all of everybody is on that same page. Supposed to be. We better same, be. That same goal, that same mission. Absolutely. When we are resurrected, then everybody can be free. Right. So anything outside of writing for the for the final call? Well, first let me tell you, it took me years to even write for other publications. Oh, okay. It took me years to do anything. Look, any and everything, right down to supplemental income streams like working at my you know, law firms or something as a legal assistant, I would have to say, how is this going to impact the final call, baby? Mm-hmm. If it's going to get in the way of that, I'm not doing it. Okay. And that's what the approach has always been. And here and there, I kind of got off that. Mm-hmm. But I always, thank God, tend to refocus. But Latrice, um, I'm sorry, her last name escapes me, but she's from New York. Okay. And we met at an event at Dorsey High. We were doing some some work, and I just started seeing a new face. I'm like, you're media, you're new to me. And we we um, became colleagues. And one day she called and said, hey, look, we're putting together a radio show, and you need to be a part of this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't know how to do radio. I didn't wouldn't know where to start. And she asked again, and I said, "Well, let's let me hear about it." Thank you to my conversation piece guest, Sister Charlie Muhammad, and we will continue with part two of this discussion about her role to journalism, her front page stories, and more next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on RadioJustice.org. Thank you to Leslie Radford, the superpower behind RJLA, Adam Rice, program coordinator and engineer, Michael Washington of M. Wash Soul for the opening and closing theme song, and always you, our RJLA family, what it is. Reach us on Radio Justice Facebook. Give us some love. Give us some likes, please, as you listen to us worldwide anytime on RadioJustice.org. I'm Angela Birdsong. Once again, thank you for allowing me to share this special experience of Conversation Peace on Radio Justice LA Morning Wake Up Call with you. Remember to be on guard, stand firm in the faith, Be brave, be courageous, and let all that you do be done with love.